So I'd like to talk about, well, first, before I say what I'm going to talk about, I'd like to start with a story. And this is apparently um, has Taoist roots, this story. And I have a feeling some of you have heard this one before. An oldie, but a good one. So the stories of an old farmer who had worked his crops for many, many years. And one day his horse ran away. And upon hearing this news, his neighbor came over to visit and said, oh, that's such bad luck. And he said this with real sympathy, but the farmer responded, maybe. And the next morning, the horse returned, bringing with it three other wild horses. How wonderful, the neighbor, neighbor exclaimed. Maybe, replied the old man. The following day, his son tried to ride one of the untamed horses and was thrown and he broke his leg. The neighbor came over again to offer sympathy uh, for this misfortune, but the farmer's response was again, maybe. The day after military officials came to the village to draft the young man into the army, seeing that the son's leg was broken, they passed him by. The neighbor congratulated the farmer on how well things had turned out. Maybe was his response. So I am starting with this story to bring in awareness about how, how much time we spend thinking that we know what should happen or what we want to happen. Uh, that we are often, as human beings, very tied into this idea that if we can control and line up all of the good things in life, that we will um, have happiness. There's this, uh, this dependence, in fact, that I think most people, I'm going to reach and say most of us here, that we're, there's a dependence on this idea that if life can be just so, then everything will be all right. That then, you know, all of my, my uh, wishes and um, aspirations for life will, will come true and I will truly be happy and everyone around me will be happy. So we're so unconscious to how dedicated we are to this notion uh, that as long as we're successful, as long as people like us, that people are pleased with us, uh, that we, can continue to line up our pleasant experiences that everything will be fine. And I, I wonder even, we can use the chat for this, if you can think about it for a moment. If you were to fill in this phrase of, uh, if I, or as long as I blank, I will be happy and think about it for a minute. And it could be something as, as silly as, as long as I get my coffee in the morning, then I'll be happy. <laughs> Everything will be fine. You know? Or it could be something 
that um, has been a story that you've been that you've had for a long time. As long as I can find uh, my true love, then everything will be fine. As long as I can have financial stability, then everything will be fine. As long as my kids are happy, I will be fine. As long as you know, people are pleased, then everything will be fine. As long as I'm breathing, I will be fine. It's good, Deb. Yeah, we can put some in, let's put some ideas in the chat and just see what we come up with. What do you subscribe to? As long as I exercise and meditate daily, everything will be fine. As long as I have my cozy home, I will be fine. Mm -hmm. These are reasonable <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> Anything else? If I can get all my work done, I will be fine. Mm -hmm. Anything else? Organized and people are happy. As long as my loved ones are healthy and happy, I'll be fine. There's nothing unreasonable about anything on this list. I mean, I, I actually would be one to put it as, as long as I can get my coffee <laughs> in the morning, then all will be fine. You know, it's, uh, and that feels reasonable. <laughs> but of course, this isn't how life unfolds. It's just, it's not how um, anyone's life really unfolds. And so there can be um, a lot of suffering connected with these uh, beliefs that if only then, and I wanna talk about that a bit tonight. So, um, so of course, and we've talk, we talk about this often in this group around control, that of course we don't have as much control as we would like to make things just so, to make things, quote, perfect. And even this idea of perfect, we can come back to this Taoist story of the farmer, just the outcomes, how quickly, um, and it, it, it would make sense that, okay, he, he's lost his, his horse, what bad luck. And then of course that turns into good luck and then bad luck and then good luck. And kind of thinking in this dualistic way, of this is good, this is bad, this must be good, this must be bad. Oh, this shouldn't be happening. This should be happening. And we get into this um, routine of, of looking at what's happening in the moment in this very narrow view that when things are feeling positive and preferred that, oh great, happiness is here, then everything will be fine. And when they go in a different way, Oh, I must be unlucky. I'm doing something wrong. You know, oh, I've, I've failed. I've failed at this. Right. 
what I find interesting, and I think this story points to it, is just how how much more creative the universe is uh, in in its unfolding and um, its outcomes. You know, we we might have an idea of how we think things should go, but the universe is way more creative than than our small minds of of what we would plan for our future. Most of us probably, uh, if you think. 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, where you would be right now, you probably had a different idea. You had a different plan than where you've, you've ended up. Whether, whether things have turned out wonderfully or not so wonderfully, you've probably had a different plan. The universe is way more creative. Things happen in a different way than we, than we anticipate or that we even hope for. And sometimes, you know, that's, that's a wonderful thing. It's a good thing. And sometimes it's just life unfolding and it's hard. So uh, this kind of whiplash of going back and forth, um, connecting uh, these kind of positive things in life and to happiness and the negative, quote, negative things in life to um, unhappiness. The Buddha called these the eight worldly winds or the eight worldly dharmas. So dharma being this, this truth, the Buddha dharma is this, uh, is pointing to what's really happening, what's really true. And so in calling these the, the worldly dharmas, what he's pointing to here is, um, not truths, nothing that is, um, uh, nothing that you can point to that's permanent, that's lasting, that's unconditioned. These are all conditioned things. So these eight are all opposites. Uh, so there's gain and loss, pleasure and pain, praise and blame, fame and disrepute or disgrace. So think about where you get caught in these eight. I'll read it again. So gain and loss. How we feel when we've gained something and what we feel when we lose something. How we orient who we are when we've gained something and when we lose something. Our sense of ourself can shift just from those conditions. Pleasure and pain, what we do with pleasure, we want more. We're driven by it sometimes, we want more. Pain, we're driven in a different way. We want less, <laughs> we wanna get rid of it, we wanna fix it, get, you know, put it over there. We don't want it. Praise and blame, you know, there's that love and that desire sometimes for praise. We wanna hear that we're doing a good job, that we're a good person. Um, blame. It's so painful when we hear that. Our sense of ourself, again, is so entangled in these worldly winds, how we're feeling about ourself or, or our image of who we are shifts greatly depending on whether we're being praised for something or blamed for something. Fame and disrepute. Are we being popular in this moment? Are we being liked? Are we perceiving ourselves in that way? 
or is it the opposite? Some something's happened, and there's um, a different story about us. Maybe it doesn't line up with who we think we really are, but we're we're feeling that we're we're being seen in that way, or we really are. Is what that does. So the Buddha talks about these winds as what can consume or drive an untrained mind. He uses this phrase of untrained mind. So someone who's not trained in the practice and the Dharma, someone who, who doesn't know to even look or to notice that these are conditioned elements uh, that are in society and within ourselves. He talks about them in that way, that there's an internal relationship with these winds and an external. So this internal relationship with these eight is how we orient to ourself, how we're seeing ourself. How are we feeling about ourselves today or these days? What's our, the image of ourself? Something has happened and we can easily solidify it around that. You know, we get a promotion and how we are in our confidence can really solidify around that. Oh, I'm so great. I've got this. Or we get fired and just how deflated we can quickly become. And we can't get a job. We can't find a job. What that does to our sense of self. So this internal relationship, how we uh, judge ourselves compared to others too, internally. So looking at um, uh, the haves and the haves nots and where, we, where do we line up in all of that, in all these different, different areas. And then there's this outer uh, worldly winds that are happening that these are within society. This is, these are really agreements. They're unfortunate agreements that are present in, in all societies that I know of. Maybe there, there are some communities that aren't living in this way. I don't know about, but the majority, these are present. And so it's all around us. Whole economies are built off of these worldly winds. Careers, industry, our social norms. There's so much of these eight factors that are, that are tied in. There's a lot of value in society with these, these eight. So no wonder we become so heavily influenced and, and, and trapped by them and maybe not even know that they're at play. You know, it's kind of the, the fish not realizing the water it swims in. You know, this is, this is part of the reality that we've collectively agreed to. And it's through the Dharma that we start to pull that apart and start to see maybe Maybe I don't need to put so much value or any value in these things. Maybe identifying with these eight wins is not bringing me happiness, but maybe it's bringing me the opposite ultimately. And when we do put our sense of self on these, these eight wins, uh, there is no peace. 
There's no peace. We're just blown around. You know, we're pushed in whatever direction the conditions dictate. So that feeling of spinning, that feeling of no ground, that feeling of who am I, that feeling of I just can't quite get there. There's never enough. I'm never enough. This person's never enough. You know, whatever the story is, when that story is running or any of these stories are running, you can be sure that these eight worldly winds are at play. And there's no peace in that. There's so much energy that we end up putting in either building our fortress of perfection, of, of putting those, uh, those four, the pleasure, praise, um, fame, and gain, getting those all lined up so that everything will be just, just so, just fine. It's a lot of energy put towards that. That once we get those all lined up in whatever whatever form we, they take within our life, um, everything will be okay. Or there's a lot of repair being done for when we fall, for when things don't go well, when we find ourselves in that that pain, blame, disgrace, loss a lot of energy going towards healing and repair. And then there's nothing wrong with success uh, or experiencing pleasure, um, of experiencing a compliment, of being liked. There's nothing wrong with any of this. But it's when our, our sense of self-worth, uh, our sense of ourself is so entangled with these, and we forget that these are transient. These are conditional states, um, and they're unpredictable. We can't really control them as much as we'd like to. We can sometimes set up just enough conditions to get what we're wanting in these areas to fulfill these needs. But there's so much energy for that, and it's, it's not as predictable as we may think. There's enough, there's enough we can do and control that, that feeds that illusion that, oh, yeah, I've got this. I can totally make this happen. And so it's just feeding this idea until it doesn't go our way and just what that's like. So the same is true though with loss and pain and, and blame, disgrace. Um, the idea here isn't to be, to push those away, to be somehow consumed by them um, in this negative way. When we do that, when we do push them away, we don't learn, we don't grow. A lot of our spiritual growth actually comes from these moments of catching ourselves in, in these frames of mind in these belief systems, um, when we're, we break free of that illusion, there's huge growth. We gain faith in what we're doing through this practice. We gain that spiritual confidence that's very needed on this path. You know, it's that, that 
old Thich Nhat Hanh saying, no mud, no lotus. That it's from, it's from the difficult, the suffering that we, we ultimately, we do gain a lot of insight and a lot of trust in this practice. And then if we become consumed by it, by these more um, challenging or negative states, you know, we think, well, that's, that's it. You know, I'll just, you know, identify with this side of, of life. That too is problematic. We begin to form a very unhealthy sense of self, of who we are. It's just another type of selfing. Of of um, of ego, it's just kind of the the deflated, unhealthy side of of ego. That small sense of self that doesn't honor the fullness of of who we are as human beings. So, how do we move with these worldly winds? What do we do? I have another story for you. This is, this also is a Taoist story. And for some reason, they all seem to be old men. (laughs) But this one's about an old man who accidentally falls into a river. Um, And this river has rapids that are leading to a high and dangerous waterfall. And the onlookers fear for his life. But miraculously, he comes out alive and unharmed downstream at the bottom of the falls. So actually goes through the falls and lives. People ask him how he managed to survive. And he says, I accommodated myself to the water, not the water to me. Without thinking, I allowed myself to be shaped by it, plunging into the swirl I came out with the swirl. This is how I survived. This moving with life. And we feel that, we get the taste of that sometimes when we're just totally in alignment with this is what's happening. And we're able to see clearly, oh, this is what's at play right now. Oh, this is what's really true right now. We're not having to use all that energy to make things the way we think they should be, but rather just living our life the way it is. This is what's what's here in this moment. This is how I can respond. This is how I can move with it. There were years ago, I took an Aikido class. Um, I was teaching at a a center, a mindfulness center. And their movement practice, a lot of mindfulness centers have some kind of movement practices affiliated with their mindfulness practice. And usually it's yoga, something like that, but this uh, center used Aikido. And they had some, some Aikido masters that were teaching a class that day. And I had just finished this weekend course that I taught and they invited me in to, I, I, they didn't actually tell me what level it was, but it, it must have been a high level. It was definitely not for beginners where I was. So I was completely, it was so over my head. And um, it, it was gentle in the way that 
people knew that. And so the way that they were moving with me uh, was very gentle. But at the same time, I just found myself, I was just getting thrown from <laughs> in a gentle way from one side of the room to the other. And I wouldn't even know how I was doing it or how I was getting there. Um, but part of the, the technique was actually learning how to fall. Learn, so they were teaching me how to fall and, and throwing me to fall <laughs> so that I would fall. And um, the idea there that it, it's not to prevent the falling, but to actually move with the fall, to actually go with whatever the force was instead of fighting against it. And within that moving with, you actually gain the advantage if you know what you're doing, which I, I didn't in this case, but I do love to use that with Dharma practice. That when we know what we're doing, we know what we're working with, which is what we're learning through our practice. When we're being mindful of our mind and our mind states, we're, we're familiar, we're intimately familiar with our body and how it responds with different emotions, different situations. Uh, all of this information, we're able to move with it. We don't have to fight against it. Oh, this is what's going on. I know this one. I don't have to fear it. I don't have to be worried by it. I don't even have to need something else to be happening right now. I can, I can move with this. Just how much peace there is in that ability. Life is life. Being human will never exclude loss and death. It will never exclude failure, however you want to define that. All these hardships, it doesn't exclude climate change, racism, classism, all of our isms that we're dealing with. It's all there. But how do we move with all of that that's true in life? How do we respond to it? How do we learn and grow with it? That's where that peace and that contentment can come from. This morning, um, this theme came up. I was teaching the morning meditation. Those of you who are new, we have a morning meditation every day. And it was my, um, on Wednesdays, I'm, I'm leading it. And um, I didn't know what I wanted to talk about this evening, but this came to mind because I was noticing um, some of this kind of back and forth going on in my own mind. Um, and I just, but I knew it, you know, oh, worldly wins. Okay, that's what we'll work with today. And then I thought, well, I may as well give a talk on this this evening. And then uh, just, um, it just so happened that one of the, um, the people that were practicing with us this morning, one of the ways she was practicing was this beautiful, in this beautiful way that I hadn't, I hadn't heard. And I, I, I emailed her to see if she'd tell me what, who the teacher was that she got this from, because I don't remember. And those who were here in the morning, maybe you'll remember uh, the name, but um, she was describing it as uh, finding your center Imagining, you start by imagining your lower body as a mountain and just what that, that image does to settle yourself. 
And then imagining your, your middle as the ocean. And she talked about how that was helpful for her not to spill over, that it just kept things, um, her whole posture would change and it kept her very centered in her body. And then um, her head being in this great vast sky, the stillness of the sky uh, without any weather in it. That's how I remember it anyway, of how she shared it. And it was, yeah, does that sound right, Jeannie? <laughs> and it was just so beautiful. And, and so then I, I shared how, how uh, remarkable that, that was for me, just ex- that she shared that because I was experiencing these worldly winds. And, and this is kind of the imagery that makes sense with the worldly winds, this idea of something so solid as a mountain that, you know, in a windstorm, the center of that mountain isn't moved. And, you know, the the vastness of the ocean, there can be wind blowing at at the top, but if you've you've ever dove down uh, to some depth, this, the stillness that is there, even on a really windy day, that the the ocean there's current there but it's something very different from what's going on at the surface and then this beautiful vast open sky it's just accepting and allowing oh this is what's here this is what's real right now okay i'm going to be present with this and so in this way, when we look at these worldly winds, one of the ways we can practice with it is this embodiment of what is it like to have this peace and this stillness at our core. And even if at the edges, we're feeling a little shaky, there's something that the Dharma, our Dharma practice offers us. It offers us many things, refuge, clarity, equanimity, compassion, faith, mindfulness, all of these these gems within the Dharma can be at our core and we can call on different aspects of the Dharma to help us uh, when we are feeling shaky, when we're feeling like we're just getting pushed around by life internally and externally in our mind and out in the world but there's something we can come to if we know to do it that's the key part knowing okay this is what's going on and then knowing what you have what you have so I'd love to hear from you. I'm going to stop there. I'd like to hear just what this brings up for you, if there's any questions, but it doesn't have to be a formed question. It might be more of a comment. I loved your Aikido analogy. I did a little bit of Aikido. And- you do some, yeah. Going with the fall, that was, I never thought of it that way. It's pretty cool. I have a feeling Aikido has a lot of great, brings in a lot of great metaphor and analogy for, for Dharma practice, but that was the only thing I learned <laughs> was how to fall. Yeah, how to fall with life. 
Also, scuba diving has good analogies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, Jess. Yeah, there's something very counterintuitive about falling with life. You know, there's something primal in us that that braces, doesn't want to do that. It doesn't seem safe. It feels like, you know, nothing's going to catch us, isn't it? Something that there's something through practice where we're giving it more information, more wisdom. And how is this all actually working? What's really here that allows us almost to speak to that primal instinct and that nervous system? Say, actually, this is okay. It's okay to, to, to move with this. But sometimes that's fighting something very strong within us that says otherwise. It's, that's also very real. There's um, a story that Joseph Goldstein tells in one of his books. Um, I, I, I'm not sure which one at this moment, but he talks about, um, it's another story that um, might come from Zen. I'm not sure. But anyway, the story is somebody getting ready to jump out of a plane and um, you know, ready to, you know, um, um, well, what's, what's that called? Not parachute, but, um, yeah, parachute out of the plane. Yeah. Parachute out of the plane. So he jumps out of the plane and falling, falling, and then is ready to pull the chute and he reaches back and realizes I don't have my parachute. I have nothing. And so you can imagine just the, the brace against the reality of that. But then the story goes that this person looks down and realizes there's no ground. <laughs> it's a bit like that, you know, we're, we're learning to fall, but not so that we're, you know, smacking that ground. That as we, we move with it, uh, going back to the story of the river, moving with the water to find our way at the end of that fall. Um, but it's very counterintuitive. Our nervous system doesn't believe it until we can prove it. Yeah, Eve. Yeah, I just appreciate you saying that because I think, you know, intellectually, conceptually, you know, I can totally grasp what you're saying. But but as you're saying, it is times when it just, uh, I, the resistance to, you know, the unpleasant, the distress, whatever, is, uh, is uh, just so instinctual. So yeah. um, I think, you know, I don't know if surrender is the right word, but I think sometimes just surrendering to what is, what the reality 
you know, that's the acceptance piece that I, I, I you know, or, and I think for me, it's probably more about kind of trying to hold something more lightly as opposed to tightly is, you know, uh, probably, you know, the, the, the most likely, the best I can do in, in, in a lot of moments. Yeah. Yeah. And we really, all we can do is the best that we can do. Yeah. <laughs> Even that expectation that we should be able to do more is part of, you know, that self-blame mm-hmm. that comes in. Just, it's just another, another idea. And just start where we are and move from there. How could we do it any other way, really? Right. I mean, that's just at some point, it's like, to me, it's more like, you know, when you're trying to swim against the tide, you just, at some point, you got to recognize the reality of the situation and, 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 and go with the, with the flow. Yeah. Yeah. just thinking of all these scenarios in, in my life where it was that way of, you know, we're going to make this happen. We're going to make this work. It's going to be okay. And then realizing I have to let go. I actually, it's not going to be okay in the way that I want it to be. And having to let go of, of certain expectations or a certain idea of story or story of how I, I thought things will go, you know, this just has to turn out like this. What would, what would my life or what would this person's life, you know, if it's affecting someone I love, how would that, how could that possibly be okay? And then, you know, the worst will happen and it's kind of amazing just how things unfold and life continues in some way and some healing happens and there can be so many blessings. Look at this past year, just all that's happened just within COVID. Just no, I remember, remember when we thought it was going to be two weeks? <laughs> remember that (laughs) we just couldn't have fathomed more than a year of lockdown for some people it's even continuing we can't get the vaccine we can't take it you know just we could never have thought there was just oh there's no way you know and then it was a month And then there was a point where we had to let go into it or it was just too painful, right? Remember that? And we, and everyone here lived through it and we made it through. We adjusted and we moved through. And sometimes we had really graceful moments and other times I bet you can remember really coming up against and pushing against this can't be happening. I really need it to go this other way. Not one more disappointment, please. And then, you know, life unfolds in ways that we we weren't always able to control. 
but it's not the end. So I hope this is all a helpful reflection this evening. <laughs> Thumbs up. That's nice. Oh, jazz fingers. I love it. <laughs> Great. Well, um, oh, and Wendy, you've got your baby there. Hi, sweet Khalil. Aw. And um, yeah, well, thanks for everyone for being here. Um, I'm going to dedicate the merit of our time. So just taking this moment to acknowledge and reflect on um, all of the practice, wisdom, care, just being here as a community, as a group, practicing together and being engaged in the Dharma in this way, and that there's great benefit of that. There's wonderful merit that comes from that. And so we can dedicate the merit of our practice, let it be not just for our own benefit, but for the benefit of all beings everywhere in all directions, excluding none, those who are seen and unseen. May all beings be happy and content May all beings be safe from inner and outer harm. May all beings be healthy in mind and body. May all beings be free. May we all be free. Okay, everyone, just a quick reminder that Saturday we have our town hall. I almost forgot to remind you. Uh, the, and um, this is the part two of our town hall. So if you're wanting to be part of the community, we're getting things moving, we're moving into more in person, but also how figuring out how to do this for people who are not local and keep you part of our community. So if you wanna be engaged with us to come to this Zoom uh, from 10.30 to 11.30, it's just an hour um, and it's gonna be fun to, to, um, to explore and imagine together what this could be. And then on Sunday, Betsy Rose and Cyrus Smith and myself will be leading the Sunday gathering in person in Berkeley. So if you are local, you can join us at um, Hakmat, Hokmat. Nope, I'm not saying that right. <laughs> How do you say it? Hokmat Halev um, in Berkeley. We'll send out the, thanks, Bets. We'll send out the, um, the address to you. And then if you would like to join us virtually, we'll have the Zoom link going and you can join us in that way too. Okay, that's it. Thank you, everyone. Thank you.
Thank you. Good care. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Thank you. Kate. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, Khalil. Oh. <laughs> Bye, Bye, sweetie. Bye. Bye. <laughs>